Um, we are entering into Christmas time. This is the, the gift-giving season. Um, if you are like me, sometimes when you are given a gift, um, the feeling doesn't match maybe what, what's expected. Like you're given a gift, and a lot of times when somebody gives me something, I end up feeling guilty about, about taking the gift. Like somebody gave something to me, and then my feeling is, you know, I open it up and I start thinking, man, they, they went to a lot of trouble to, to get this for me. Or this was an expensive gift, and I should be enjoying it, but the way that I feel is a little bit like, they spent too much money on me. Uh, and I start thinking about things like, like, how do I reciprocate this? Or what are, what are the strings that are attached to this gift? Like, do I owe them something in response? Or am I now entering into, like, this new relationship with them where every year now I need to give them a gift? Uh, what are they expecting from me? How do I pay them back for this? And sometimes when somebody gives me something, instead of just enjoying the gift, I start feeling like, I, I almost wish they didn't give it to me. <laughs> like, just, I don't know what to do with this now, and so I start feeling a little bit uncomfortable about it instead of just enjoying the thought and the gesture behind the gift. Uh, maybe, maybe you feel like this sometimes. Uh, maybe there's times where somebody gives you something and you feel like, I actually don't know what, what to do uh, with this act of kindness and generosity, and... I feel a little bit uncomfortable and I even feel a little bit guilty about just taking this and not having something to return, like not a way to, to show back to them that I'm matching uh, the way that you've given me. And so we start feeling like, am I just being a taker that's causing trouble or being a, a burden upon other people by receiving uh, their generosity? This, this shows us something about our willingness to let people love us. This shows us something about how willing are we to receive love from other people and to just accept it. We, we think there must be some kind of angle that this person has. Or if there's not something even maybe manipulative about it, maybe there's just something that they're wanting from me in return. And if I don't reciprocate, then there's going to be a disappointment that they have with me. That they're thinking, I'm, they, they gave me this and then I did nothing in return? Like, what would they think of me? And so there's, there's a sense of, if not suspicion, at least mistrust that we have towards people. And, and this happens, and we see this, we see this very much during times of Christmas when there's exchanges of gifts, but we see this throughout the year. When, what, what is your response when somebody moves towards you in what seems like an unselfish act of love? Our, our response to this and where, how we receive this, it parallels how we receive love from God. The story of the Christian story is a story about a God who loves us, a God who moves towards us, and we get to choose if we're going to receive his love or not. And there's nothing that we're giving back. There's no reciprocation of this. It's a one-sided love that he moves towards us and gives us. He gives us his son on the cross 
And there's nothing that we're matching with this. There's no reciprocation. And we have to choose, are we going to trust that love or not? Are we going to be willing to receive it or not? Or are we going to think, what, what's God's angle? What is he expecting from me? What do I need to pay back to balance the sheets so that we're equal and that he's not disappointed with me, that he's not, he's not looking for something else. He's not going to hold it over me for later on and say, uh, you, you owe me a favor. And this is the Christian story, that it's unconditional, that he moves towards us, he gives us love, and when we can't receive a small gift from someone else, how can we really just trust the magnitude of what the cross offers us? So as we talk about this, I want to talk about how is it that we can trust that the love God has for us through the cross and through the life of a Christian, how is it that we can trust that it's unconditional? That what God gives us is, is unconditional. He gives us love and we can accept it and we can receive it and there aren't strings attached, and we can soak it in, and we can enjoy it. The gift uh, that's given, it says something about the relationship. And so I want to talk some about what does God's provision of grace say about our relationship with him and how he views us. I'm going to be jumping around throughout, uh, through different passages today, but I'll have some, some of the verses up here on the screen for you. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is when you are given a gift uh, that meets a need that you have. I mean, when you receive a, a gift that meets a need, it communicates from the giver that I see you. I see your experience. I see your life. I see what you're going through. And I thought of a gift that meets what you need. And so this is the first thing. And I want you to see this in, in 1 John 4. Um, verses 9 and 10. He says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that, he might live, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He says, that he loved us, he sent his one and only son, his gift of his one precious son that he gave for us and he sent to us. And then it says this, word, this phrase at the end that he was an atoning sacrifice for us. In some translations, you might see the word propitiation. The, the idea that, that this is getting at is that when there is an offense, when there is an injustice, God, being a just God, is called to respond to it, to, to, to bring justice to the situation. When you think of some of the horrible things that we see on the news, when you see something like a shooting at a school, our reaction to that is sadness, but also anger. It's a call to say, God, what happened there was wrong. You need to act upon that. Bring justice to that situation on behalf of those who have been hurt and harmed. This is the, the same feeling here as we're saying, God, bring your wrath upon this situation. Bring justice here. 
And what this passage is telling us is that Jesus is the propitiation. He is the atonement. In other words, he is the satisfaction of the anger that God should have. Then maybe God's justice is deserved and we, we would want to look and say, God, bring your justice here. But the Son says, I am the propitiation. I will satisfy the anger that, that's deserved. And so there is this need, and though, though we may not be guilty of some of the things that we see on TV, we are guilty of our own things. And some of them, some of them seemingly minor and some of them seemingly very dark. But in the midst of all those things, where places where God should act to, against us, bringing justice for the harm that we have caused each other, he sends his own son who will satisfy the, the wrath and, and the anger that's deserved upon us. He is our propitiation, and he satisfies that, that requirement. That God looks at us and he sees the need for justice, but also he sees the need to satisfy that justice, and he provides for that. But God sees us, and he addresses that. Can you imagine, what, imagine how this says that God views us? Notice that it, he sees us accurately for who we are. He sees us in our dysfunction. He sees us in our brokenness. He sees us in the evil that we are guilty of. And he still moves towards us and he makes... He provides a gift to satisfy all of that, to bring healing, to bring correction, to satisfy the justice that's needed. He sees us for who we are. He sees us in, in, in our sin, and thank God that he does. Because the gift that he provides matches the need that we have. Imagine, imagine if he didn't see us for who we were. Imagine if he thought we were better people than who we are. And so if he was to just provide, you know, a couple of steps here, if you do these couple things, then that'll be enough for, for the things, that, the issues that we cause. Imagine if, if the solution that he offered and the gift that he had was small enough that it didn't actually meet the depth of our brokenness. What this, what this makes me think of is um, uh, some of the gifts that, that, that I've received during, during Christmas time, speaking of, of gifts that have a need. Um, let, me, let me give you context. Growing up in my family and a lot of my extended family, we do a lot of camping. Uh, I, was, I did Boy Scouts growing up. I, I went camping every weekend as a part of my Boy Scout troop, uh, every weekend from through junior high and high school. So six years of camping every single weekend. So I did my fair share of camping. My, my family loves it. My relatives love it. To tell you the truth, I hate camping. <laughs> I've, I've given it its fair shot. I've, I've, you know, m there was the initial feeling of, I don't like camping. I gave it a chance to grow on me, and it never happened. So if I never camp again, I'm, I'm fine. But I did lots of camping. And I remember this one Christmas where, you know, we're going around passing out presents, and it's my turn to open up the present. I open it up, and it's a hiking backpack. 
And, you know, so you pull it up. And it wasn't, you know, it's not one of the, the big, like, overnight, like, camp for 10 miles. It was a day pack. But, you know, I open it up, and it's like, okay, um, you know, I got this backpack. And so you're trying to think of nice things to say and be grateful. And so I start saying, like, kind of meaningless things that sound like compliments, like, hey, it has straps, and, you know, there's a pouch, and look at that. Um, and so I get this, and it's like, what am I ever going to do with this? Um, and there's a part of me that's like, okay, either the person doesn't know me, or the way that they see me is the way they want to see me. Like, they see me as they want me to be. It's like a projection, which still means that they don't see me. But what, what this tells me is, you know, I get this gift, and there's no joy in the gift. It's almost, if, if anything, there's a sense of sadness of, you know, I appreciate that they, that they bought something and gave it to me, but there's also a sadness of... Uh, they don't know what I like, and they don't know what I don't like. You know, it's, it's a gift, yes, it's a gift that, that can meet a need, but it's not a gift that meets a need that I have. And there's, there's a sadness in that of, do, do you see me, and do you see what, what I like and what I need? You know, I remember the first time that on, on uh, the other end where I, I remember the first time somebody, my parents gave me Laker tickets and getting to go and see, you see he's like Shaq for the first time. You're like, he's huge. And it's just like the joy that was with that feeling of my parents know me and they got this for me. They knew that this was something that I would like and I can enjoy this. And you enjoy not just the gift, but you enjoy the fact that the giver knows you. And that's the point, is that, that, yes, God sees me and God provided for me, but what's so joyful about that and the reason that I can enjoy this so much and take delight in this gift is because he sees me and he knows the reality of what I need. That God looks at me and he says, I know that you are not just a little messed up, but I know that the need is tremendous. And so there's nothing I'm going to withhold from you to bring you into relationship. And so he doesn't hold anything back, but he provides sufficiently for us, and it's sufficient for the need that he perceives that we have. Christmas, a lot of times there... Uh, for many of us, there is um, difficulty during this season, especially when we, for those of us that, especially when we travel back home and we're, when we're with extended family and there are feelings of disappointment and disillusionment that we see uh, when we spend time with, with family that looks differently than we wish it did. And many times during these seasons, we start seeing um, and we're confronted with old messages that sometimes we've heard um, at different points in our Christian life, points, messages like Christians uh, are always happy 
and Christians don't really struggle, and Christians don't get depressed, and Christians don't experience loss. Christians aren't chronically drawn towards sin. And maybe you've heard a message like this at some point in your life, at some point in your time in church or around other Christians, or uh, maybe you hear it when you go home and are with, with your, your relatives. And the, the sadness of this uh, can put up barriers that we have to receive a, a gift uh, that God has for us. This is one of the reasons why the cross is so important for us as an image that when we, when we look at the cross and we can say the cross is proof, it's the tangible proof that regardless of what I'm experiencing at this moment, it's the point that I can come back to and say, that shows me that God really does see me. It's in, in the midst of the struggles that I'm going through day after day, whatever it is that I'm experiencing in my real life and how difficult those things are, I can still come back and say, the one thing I can count on and the one thing that, if nothing else, that reveals the character of God to me and something that I can cling and hold on to is that the cross shows me that God sees me. That the cross shows me that he really sees what I'm going through and he really sees the depths of my struggles and the depths of my need and he provided for it. And so in the, the dark times that, that we face as Christians, we keep coming back to the image of the cross because the cross, it provided a means for a relationship with me, but also provides an image for me to hold on to, to say, I really know that this is what the character of God is like. If I'm questioning God's faithfulness, if I'm questioning whether he, if he really does see me and knows who I am and knows my heart, if nothing else, I can look to the cross and say, he does see me, this is, what I, this is how I know this, that he saw me enough that he would die for me, he would be my atonement, my propitiation, and he would bring me into relationship with him. So I keep coming back to the cross because the cross is my hope of the revelation of God's character that he is faithful and he sees me and knows me. The cross is an act of love and it shows that God provides a gift that is a need for us. And there is joy that we can find in that. The cross shows us and God shows us through that that he sees us and he sees what we need, but I think we can extend this even further. I think we can say that he doesn't just see what we need, he sees beyond what we realize we need. He sees more than what we realize we need. I'm going to continue reading. I'm going to read this time from Romans 8. It's going to be in Romans 8, verse 32. Notice, notice here what he gives, but also his ongoing provision to take care of us. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also among, uh, along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This passage tells us that that Jesus provided what was needed to bring us into a relationship, but also gives this, this image at the very end of this passage. It says, he is at God's hand interceding for us. Pre- earlier in, in Romans 8, it, it speaks of the Holy Spirit having this, this kind of relationship as well, saying, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That there are times we don't know what to ask for. There are times we don't have words to put to what we're feeling. We don't know what to say to God. And the comfort in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit is in us groaning, speaking on our behalf to the Father. And then the Son is at the Father's side speaking on our behalf to Him. That the Son provided everything that was needed for us to be brought into a relationship. And then it says, the Father, didn't, who didn't even spare his Son, what else would he withhold? And he's listening to the Spirit, and he's listening to the Son who are, are with us and watching us and speaking on our behalf to make sure that we have everything that we need for our Christian life. That every resource that's necessary for our sanctification, for us to grow in our faith, that God is providing and he is discerning and planning and preparing to make sure that those are available for us. And so it's not just on us and on our ability to discern what it is that we need, to discern where is it that we need to receive love and where there's where there's a need for support, but God himself is actively looking and discerning and preparing and providing for us. That God sees and has a bigger perspective than what we're seeing, that he's watching and he's providing for us. There is uh, comfort that we can have in this kind of sovereignty. Tim Keller says, Uh, If we knew what God knows, we would ask for exactly what he gives. Let me say that again. If we knew what God knows, we would ask for exactly what he gives. That God has this different perspective than what we have, that he sees more than what we see. that he has a larger perspective and so he will provide for us. And sometimes it's not what we wish for, but what we're saying here is that God knows and he has the character and he has a different perspective and so he can plan for what is really best for us. And there are two, two examples of, of this. Um, one, have you ever, uh, in hindsight, looked back and noticed, um, especially in hindsight, uh, after, after a difficult season in life, that there is a certain relationship that God has brought into your life prior to it. There are times where I can think of, man, 
where would I be if this friend hadn't suddenly started reaching out to me? And this person walked with me through a difficult time. And there are times where we can look back and we can say, God planted someone in my life. He brought someone into my life and made someone available to me. And that was in time to help me persevere through something difficult. And there is something about that where God says, I know what you need, and maybe we don't realize that at the moment what he's doing, but often in hindsight we can see some of these things. Another, another way that I see this sometimes is through protective love. Times where there's a decision that I want to make, a way that, that I commonly handle things, or... Um, uh, even a flaw in my character, and I have a tendency to approach things a certain way, and sometimes I need someone from the outside to speak some truth to me. Not, not as a way of judging me, not as a way of trying to control me, but as a way of saying, Daniel, if you keep doing this, it's going to start hurting you. That I, and I think, no, 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 I just, I, this is where I'm trying to go, this is what I need, and so I'm going to keep going in this direction. And sometimes I need someone who's a little bit removed from it, but someone who I know loves me to be able to say, Daniel, you, you have to stop doing that. If you keep going in this direction, you're going to hurt other people and you're going to hurt yourself. And that's, that's a time where I have to choose, will I let that person love me? Will I let that person say those things to me? And will I trust that love that that person is offering me because they're seeing something differently than what I'm seeing? They have a different perspective on it. This is, these are ways that God loves us through a gift that, that is unexpected, a gift that uh, has a broader perspective than what we see. So as Christians, this calls us to suspend judgment for a moment on God. There's a sense where we have to say, I don't understand what God is doing, and I want to look at him and say, God, you are not faithful. You don't see me. You don't know what's going on. There isn't wisdom in what you're asking for me. And there's a sense where we have to say, I need to hold back on that. I can pour out my heart and I can say these things to God and I can pour my heart out with honesty to him, but there's still a, a sense of I need to come back and I need to trust that God has a bigger perspective than what I see. That I have to trust that if he's God, if he really sees all things, that maybe he sees a little bit more than what I do. And so can I just hold back on judgment for a moment? And in these moments, what, what's difficult is I want to put my guard back up and I want to start saying, I can take care of myself, I can protect myself better than God can, and I can love myself better than God can. But in these moments, we have to say, God has a bigger perspective. He will provide for me, whether it's through something like protective love that can be difficult in the moment or something that imme and immediately brings pleasure to us. 
These are things that we need to say, I'm going to embrace God's love and I'm going to trust that he has a bigger perspective. We trust God to address the needs, to address our needs and even our needs that we are unaware of. The motivation for giving, and not just the gift itself, is something that that affects how we can trust it. My, My third point. A gift that is freely given discommunicates that I desire to give this. In Ephesians 1, In Ephesians 1, uh, verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will uh, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. It says he did this according to his pleasure and will. He brings us into relationship with us. It says, in, according to his pleasure, he did this freely that he gave his son to us on our behalf, that he brings us into his family, that this is something not that he was manipulated into, not so that something he felt guilty about, not something he did begrudgingly, but he chose to do this, it's, and it's something that brought him delight. It's something that he was pleased that he did. He was not compelled by our righteousness. There was no exchange of we were good enough and so as some kind of compensation he did this. But this was something that that pleased him. Titus 3 describes it like this. It says he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And so he gives because he wants to. He provides for us because he likes it. He likes loving us and he provides this for us. And there's freedom in this that he's choosing to give this to us and all we need to do is enjoy it. Gifts that are given freely should be enjoyed freely. And this is something that can bring us joy. This is something that we can celebrate. This is something that we can embrace. If you have ever been to uh, the home of someone who has the gift of hospitality, you've experienced something like this. There are some people that are just so good at you go to their house and they didn't just buy you know, take out pizza or something like that to eat, but there's, there's like this entree and then there's like this fancy coffee and then there's hot chocolate over here and then there's all these desserts over here and there's a sense of, holy cow, you went to such extreme lengths for me and there is a sense of this that it's, I, I'm, I don't know how, what to do with this and a part of us, it can feel inclined to say, okay, I'm just going to eat a little bit. And they're saying, no, I got so much. The point is for you to enjoy as much as you want. And there's, there's some of us here in this room that have this gift. 
and you, you provide abundantly, and there's a point here of just come and eat freely. We're not going to run out of food. Eat, enjoy it, partake in this. And there, the point is enjoy. Eat and be full and have fun with this. Enjoy the grace that God has given you. What I want to ask you is during this time, especially during Christmas, is to notice when you experience love from someone. And notice your reaction to it. Is to notice, especially as when you reflect on passages in Scripture and when you have experiences where you notice God providing love for you, and notice what your reaction is. And notice if you are inclined to say, what do I need to do to pay God back for this, to make this, this act of love worth it? See, sometimes I, I feel like, we, you know, we can talk about sin as Christians and we can talk about our need for God's love and his, his restoration to come. There's also a point where we can feel and beat ourselves up so much and say, oh, I have such a need for God's love that I actually miss God's love. Like, does this make sense? Like, there's a part of me where I can think about myself so much in my own issues and think of, oh, I really got to make sure that I understand that I need God's love, that, that I'm so depraved and I have so many issues and I have blah, 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 and I can do that so much that I actually miss out on experiencing God's love for itself. So what I want to ask you is just put that on hold for a moment. Just take a moment and let God love you rather than thinking so much about how you don't deserve God's love. Like just take a moment and let God love you. Let the, the, those active loves soak into your heart. Because I think what happens after that, with the more we do this, the more that we soak in, what ends up happening is we actually love each other better. Our hearts enlarge a little bit more. We're a little bit more gracious to each other. We're a little bit more willing to be patient with each other. We're a little bit better at loving each other when we start realizing how much we are loved because God loves us and not for any other reason. So what I want to ask you to do is to just pause and let God love you and to reflect on how much he loves you and to make it about God, not about us, not about how is it that we're going to pay him back or not even about how much we need his love. To just keep thinking about God and how he loves us. A gift that is freely given is a gift that is meant to be enjoyed. And God chooses by his own volition to love us. This is the Christmas season. This is a season where, where as Christians, we reflect on the gift that we see uh, and celebrate on Christmas Day. The gift of God sending his own son to come and be with us, to ultimately die for us. 
This is, this is a gift that God provided and a gift that we remember on Christmas Day. And as we give gifts to each other, just, just notice th- those times when you have discomfort in a way somebody gives you a gift. But think about, what does this tell you about your willingness to trust the love that God has for you? Do you trust that God really sees you and your needs? Do you trust that God really has a bigger perspective and sees the needs that you don't know you have? And can you trust that God really gives it to you freely? And so you can just enjoy the gifts that he provides. But notice that and hold on to it and let God's love soak into your heart. Let me pray for us.